0: Good afternoon, brothers, sisters, visitors, all of us who are online, all of those viewing online, welcome to another first day of the week. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to share with you this message from the Word of God as we continue to look into the life of Christ. We are looking at some events that occurred after Jesus' birth. And we will continue to do a character study of some of the people in these events. And by studying their character, we will also be learning about the evidence given that Jesus is the Messiah that was to come. Their message is more important than the reputation that some of these characters had. We're going to first be looking at the announcement of the birth of Jesus proclaimed to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 Verse 8 through 20. So you might want to get your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I'm going to be reading from God's word translation. It says, Shepherds were in the fields near Bethlehem. They were taking turns watching their flock during the night. An angel from the Lord suddenly appeared to them. The glory of the Lord filled the area with light, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Today, your Savior, Christ the Lord, was born in David's city. This is how you will recognize him. You will find an infant wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a large army of angels appeared with the angel. They were praising God by saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those who have his good will. The angels left them and went back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has told us about. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph with the baby who was lying in a manger. When they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was amazed. And Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And always thought about them. As the shepherds returned to their flock, they glorified and praised God for everything they had seen and heard. Everything happened the way the angel told them. So here we have this account of the announcement of Jesus' birth. It was a tremendous announcement. Nothing like that had been announced, or or nothing had been announced in such a way as this had been announced. So let's look at some of these details that were told here about this proclamation to the shepherds. They were in the field at night. That's where the shepherds were. So it was highly unlikely that it was late December or winter, since by the first rains of the season, the shepherds would not have been in the fields with the flocks. This puts Jesus' birth in the early to mid-fall. Notice also that Jesus was born at night, as God led the Israels to freedom at night in Egypt. So the Savior came to us at the darkest hour to brighten the rest of our days. Notice also how when the angels appear, they, they flooded the area with light. It was pitch black, but the angels brightened the whole area. Notice also how they didn't make an announcement in the city, in Bethlehem. Or, or to any other official, to any other important person. It was an exclusive and powerful announcement to the humblest of citizens. The good news was proclaimed, and as the angels said, it was a good news that would fill everyone with joy. The Savior, Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Chosen One, The king, the Lord, the master, he was to be born. And where would we find such a grandiose person? Not in a palace, not even in a nice house. He would be lying in a manger, in a stable, on a horse trough, wrapped in strips of cloth. The epitome of humility. He was not born in a nice, clean, sanitized place. He was not born among important people, but he was born in squalor among animals, even without proper clothing. But the angelic chorus would conclude the announcement. All of a sudden, a lot of angels appeared next to the angel who was announcing, and they were shouting what we now sing during Christmas Glory to God in the highest, Gloria in excelsis Deo, Glory to God in the highest. What was the shepherds' reaction? Oh, they did not delay. (laughs) They kind of left the flocks there, and they went quickly. They recognized the importance of this message. They were repeating this news to everyone they heard, everyone they met on their way to look for this Savior. They were telling of this great news they had just heard. They were the first evangelists They glorified and praised God, and everybody was filled with joy. And then they returned to their flocks. So, this is the first time this is announced. And then let's look at what happens next. Uh, We will continue reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 39, when Jesus is presented at the temple. It says, eight days after his birth, The child was circumcised and named Jesus. This was the name the angel had given him before his mother became pregnant. After the days required by Moses' teachings to make a mother clean had passed, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem. They took Jesus to present him to the Lord. They did exactly what was written in the Lord's teachings. Every firstborn boy is to be set apart as holy to the Lord. They also offered a sacrifice as required by the Lord's teachings, a pair of mourning doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He lived an honorable and devout life. He was waiting for the one who would comfort Israel. The Holy Spirit was with Simeon and had told him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah, whom the Lord would send. Moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courtyard. Mary and Joseph were bringing the child Jesus into the courtyard at the same time. They brought him so that they could do for him what Moses' teachings required. Then Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God by saying, Now, Lord, you are allowing your servant to leave in peace as you promised. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people to see. He is a light that will reveal salvation to the nations and bring glory to your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is the reason that many people in Israel will be condemned and many others will be saved. He will be a sign that will expose the thoughts of those who reject him and a sword will pierce your heart. Anna, a prophet, was also there. She was a descendant of Thaniel from the tribe of Asher. She was now very old. Her husband had died seven years after they were married, and she had been a widow for 84 years. Anna never left the temple courtyard, but worshipped day and night by fasting and praying. At that moment, she came up to Mary and Joseph and began to thank God. She spoke about Jesus to all who were waiting for the return for Jerusalem to be set free. So here we have this, uh, the boy Jesus now being presented at the temple. Uh, Sorry, let me read one more verse here, verse 39. After doing everything the Lord's teachings required, Joseph and Mary returned to their hometown of Nazareth in Galilee. So notice, let's notice a few things here in this reading when Jesus is presented at the temple. He was just eight days old. Notice how the birth of Jesus did not bring an end to Old Testament law and regulation. His parents fulfilled all of Moses' teachings, all of the teachings that were required of them in the Old Testament, the first one being his circumcision. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, as Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3 indicates. And he also had to be redeemed with money in recognition of their deliverance during the 10th plague in Egypt. We find that in Numbers chapter 3, verses 40 through 51, and chapter 18, verses 15 through 16. The third thing we see here is that Mary had to undergo a purification ceremony, which included a sacrifice, as Leviticus chapter 12, verse 2 through 8 teaches. Their offering, Uh, A pair of mourning doves or two young pigeons tells us of their economic situation. They gave an offering of the poor. At the temple, they meet two interesting characters. They meet Simeon and they meet the prophetess Anna. Let's notice some things about Simeon here. Simeon, we're told that he lived an honorable and a devout life. He was told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he passed. We can see how God just honors some people. Simeon, we, we don't know that he had any kind of important job or, or anything that would stand out other than he was an honorable and a devout person. Yet God made a promise to him. God indulged him by letting him see the Messiah before he would pass. The Spirit leads him to the temple just at the same time Mary and Joseph were there with Jesus. He was so overjoyed that he took Jesus into his arms. Imagine you uh, being Mary or Joseph with your newborn there at the temple. And all of a sudden, this man comes and takes your child from you. I don't know about you, but I would be freaking out a little bit. (laughs) What would you do if a stranger shows up and wants to hold your newborn? It's kind of awkward, isn't it? But notice what he says. He says some interesting things. He was led by the Spirit into saying that all people would see Jesus' salvation. Sooner or later, everybody would recognize it indicating that Jesus is a universal Savior. He was not just for the Jews. Many would be condemned, those who would reject Jesus, but also many would be saved. Many would worship him as Lord and Savior. The last thing Simeon says to Mary was a little more disturbing. He says that Jesus was going to be the center of controversy. This was not going to be easy for the family. Certainly not easy for Mary. Mary was going to feel the pain in her very soul. So that was an interesting and but disturbing news. Next, we see Anna also coming and, and checking out Jesus. She was about 84 years old. And she, we are told, was a dedicated servant of God. She never left the temple courtyard. She was always there at the temple fasting and praying regularly. She had only been married for seven years and widowed for the rest of her life. When she encountered Mary and Joseph, she began thanking God. And she was telling everybody in the temple courtyard, it says here, everybody in Jerusalem. She was speaking about Jesus, speaking about the redemption that was to come to Jerusalem. So here we have some of the first evangelists preaching and sharing this great news that had come upon them. Next we read in Luke chapter 2 verse 40. We read something interesting here. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was with him. Many of you who are parents, uh, you've certainly handled the baby growth charts, you know, the development charts that doctors uh, give us when our new baby is born to make sure that our baby is on track, hitting all the development milestones in their due time. And here we get some insight into what the people of old looked to, what they looked at to make, a chi- to make sure a child was developing correctly. We are given here a threefold godly development As Jesus grows, as he grows physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, physically, the the child grew, became strong of soul, the the Greek will say. Uh, And he exhibited the normal milestones, indicating that a child was thriving physically. He was also filled with wisdom, meaning that he was hitting all of his intellectual developmental milestones as well. He was uh, of a good mind, of a sound mind. And we are told that God's favor was with him. So he had awareness of the spiritual aspects in his life. We're going to now read when Jesus was visited by the Magi. We're going to read about this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. So if you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea when Herod was king. After Jesus' birth, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They asked, where is the one who was born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star rising, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod and all Jerusalem heard about this, they became disturbed. He called together all the chief priests and scribes and tried to find out from them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet wrote about this. Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. A leader will come to you. He will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and found out from them exactly when the star had appeared. As he sent them to Bethlehem, he said, go and search carefully for the child. When you have found him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. After they had heard about the king, they started out. The star they had seen rising led them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were overwhelmed with joy to see the star. When they entered the house, they saw the child with his mother. So they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God warned them in the dream not to go back to Herod, so they left for their country by another road. Let's notice some interesting things we are told here about this visit. Here in God's Word and in some other versions, we are told that wise men from the East came to visit Jesus. The actual word in the Greek for translated as wise men is magi, short for magicians, really uh, oriental scientists or sorcerers. not the same meaning as we would give today to magicians. <laughs> it's actually the name given, By the Babylonians, by the Chaldeans, and the Medes and the Persians, to the wise men, the teachers, the priests, the physicians, the astrologers, the seers, the interpreters of dreams, the soothsayers of the time, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon. These persons, the magi, uh, were philosophers, They they were priests, they were astronomers, and they lived chiefly in Persia and Arabia. They were the learned men of the Eastern nations. They were devoted to astronomy, to religion, to medicine. They were held in high esteem by the Persian court, and they were admitted as counselors to the king, and they followed the camps in war to give advice. We don't know how many magi there were, certainly more than one since magi is a plural word, uh, but we don't know if there were three. Traditionally, we are told there are three or They are presented as three, probably because there were three gifts given, but we don't know for sure how many there were. It is interesting that Israel's supposed king, King Herod, did not honor the king of kings and didn't care enough to know where he was or to even seek him. Wise and learned men from the east showed the passion and perseverance that would be needed to become a servant of the King of Kings. They were following a star. They were the only ones who followed that star that led them to Jesus. We don't hear of anyone else who saw the star and actually followed the star. God was willing to put this awesome sign in heaven just for them. Anyone who wants to find Jesus can find him. They just need to be willing They just need to show the desire that these wise men showed. Notice that when they come to Jerusalem, they ask the king, King Herod, where the king of kings was. They would figure Herod would know. I mean, this is his king, the king of the Jews. But Herod, as other people in Jerusalem were, they were disturbed. They were like, what? What king? I'm the only king here. So they go and consult the chief priest and the scribes. Now, rightly so, the chief priest and the scribes, where do they turn to? They turn to the scriptures. Question is, well, why didn't they turn to God? If they were so willing to find where Jesus should be in the scriptures, how come their hearts don't turn to God and followed along with the Magi to worship Jesus? Some interesting things. Herod does promise that he wants to worship him, but we know he was lying. He really wants to kill Jesus. He wants to kill anybody who was vying for his throne. Notice that the star appears again to lead the Magi to the house where they were staying. Now, it is interesting here. We typically think that the Magi go to visit Jesus in the manger. You know, we've all seen the displays during Christmas. Where Jesus is lying in the manger with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds are there and the oxen and the cattle and and the three wise men. But not so fast. This is around nine months later. Notice the scriptures teach us that the star brought them to a house, not the manger. Jesus had already moved to a different place. Uh, This could have been up to six weeks after Jesus was born, after they came from the dedication in the temple. And notice that when the Magi get there, they were there to worship Jesus. They were not there to worship Mary or Joseph. They went there to worship Jesus. And the Magi brought gifts to Jesus. Giving is part of worship. No one dares to come before royalty without a proper gift. All throughout the Old Testament, we see that anybody who was to come before royalty was to come with a gift. Some give meaning to the gifts that were given, but it is really just presumption. We can't say that gold meant this and myrrh meant that and frankincense meant this other thing. They were just offering Jesus the things that were most esteemed, in their own country, in their own culture, which were products of their own country. The gold was probably a providential supply, a way God provided for Mary and Joseph during that difficult time because they had to go and leave Egypt, leave to go to Egypt because Herod was going to kill the children. So we have three gifts given here, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Gold, some say fit for a king. (laughs) What can you give a king that is better than gold? Uh, Nothing else, right? Gold is, is the top. But also that was money. Money that the small family, the small fledging family would need to provide for them while they were to go to Egypt. Frankincense. Well, frankincense was a common herb used to deodorize your home back in the ancient days, there was no other perfume. Flowers would quickly disintegrate. So they burned incense to deodorize the home. And frankincense, for those of you who know, is also a very purifying smoke. It actually doesn't just deodorize, but it actually sanitizes the air and everything that's on it. And also, frankincense was what priests used to present acceptable offerings to God. There was frankincense always mixed into other herbs and spices in the holy smoke that was continually burning in the holy of holies. Myrrh was an herb that the ancients used to aid in healing, also in suffering and in sickness. Myrrh was also used to embalm the dead. Maybe it's something that speaks to Jesus' humanity, that although he was the king of kings, the God most high, he would also need healing because he was in a frail form. After they give their gifts, the magi leave without connecting back to Herod because God had warned them, don't go back to Herod. So what can we learn from from these magi? What are some applications for us nowadays? Well, notice that these men from the east, they came from from far. They were not near. It took them a few days to get there. But they were willing to make the trip. They really wanted to connect to God. And in doing so, made a long trip to Jerusalem from their land. They really wanted to find this Messiah. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to give him the worship due him. Hebrews eleven six 6 will say, no one can please God without faith. Wherever God goes, whoever goes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So no sacrifice is too great in our search for Jesus. These magi believed God was leading them with a star that no one else had seen. It was right there for everyone to see. But they really believed that God was giving them a sign. They were astrologers, so they did study the signs and the times, looking at the stars. It's not the the astrology that they studied, by the way, was not the same as the astrologers that you read in today's newspapers that embellish wishful thinking. No, they were actually scientists. They were really a little more like astronomers than they were astrologers. But they believed God was giving them a sign. Unlike any other time in history, there was this star that appeared. And they accepted God's guidance and and followed it. Similarly, we need to be willing to accept the guidance that God gives us. Not just accept it, but follow it. We also need to use the scriptures to find Jesus. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who went to the scriptures when Herod asked them, hey, where is the Messiah to be born? Well, the Pharisees and the other teachers knew that the answer was in the scriptures. So if they were so willing to turn to the scriptures, well, why didn't they follow and went to see Jesus? Interesting, right? We not only need to use the scriptures to find Jesus, but we need to be willing to go the distance and actually obey the scriptures to find Jesus. To worship Jesus, we need to find him first. The magi knew where to find him. They trusted God's sign, followed it, and found him and worshipped him. We don't worship an idea. We don't worship a story. We don't worship a culture. We worship the Messiah, Christ the Lord. And these magi, rightfully so, they were looking for this king. They knew he was there. And they went to worship him. And the Magi gave their best to Jesus. Not only were they willing to travel, not only were they willing to leave their country and their comforts to travel, but they honored him as they worshiped him with gifts, teaching us that we must bring our best to him in the gifts that we are willing to give. Now, thanks be to God, we have these first witnesses an evangelist that we can trust guide us to find Jesus we can go to the scriptures and not just be informed about Jesus but transformed by him he led the way to life a way that begins by acknowledging our need to die to self herod wanted to kill jesus but in reality we need to say I need to die to self. I need to put to death the passions, the ideas, the heart, the the fleshly impulses that would prevent me from finding this Messiah. That's what I need to put to death so that I can say yes to the Messiah. So that I can say yes to Jesus. Before I can say yes to Jesus, I need to say no to self. And carry the cross. That's what the gospel teaches us. That's what Jesus teaches us. By willing to go to that cross of Calvary. And laying down his life. As an atonement for our sins. He was willing to pay the price. As Mark beautifully told us this afternoon. Jesus was willing to give it all. And to pay that cost. That no one else could pay. A cost that even wasn't his to pay. To begin with. But it was a cost that we incurred, but that only he could pay. And so if we believe that and we want to worship this Messiah, give him the worship, the praise that he is due, we confirm our no to self by dying with Jesus in the watery grave of baptism, only to be raised to life in newness of life. This is the first step in living that new life. This is the first step in worshiping Jesus, in being a servant of God, in joining these evangelists, in proclaiming the good news. So we read about three groups of people here at the end, three groups of people that we identified with, the wise men wanting to seek Jesus. Wanting to worship the Lord, wanting to give him the best, a a, a Jesus, a Messiah that they didn't even know about, but that they trusted God was going to show them. We also read about Herod. Herod wanted to kill the Lord. He wanted to get rid of God's saving grace, not knowing what he would do. And we have the Jewish leaders, confused, devoted to God's teachings for sure. Believing in God in some way, but not believing him enough to go seek him out and to worship him as the Magi did. Which one are you? Which one hits you? Most of us will say that we're definitely not like Herod, but we may act like the Jewish leaders at times. Many of us can identify with the Magi. Some of us have traveled far distances to seek Jesus and continuously do so. And we want to give him the best to worship him, to serve him, not just our lives, but all that we have in recognition that all that we have is from God anyway. Thursday, this past Thursday, Puerto Ricans and many others in Latin America celebrated the epiphany, or what we natively called Dia de Reyes, the Day of Kings, a celebration that we Celebrate even bigger than Christmas back in my country. And it is a celebration of these magi in coming to worship Jesus, coming and recognizing that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For us, the gift giving that occurs during Christmas doesn't come from a jolly old man in a red suit. But it comes from this act of giving and recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. That's why we give for the same reason the Magi give. May those of us who celebrate or remember it be wise enough to follow their example as we serve and worship Jesus for the rest of our lives. Let us continue to seek the Lord and to give him our best in this new year. God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.